0: Listener supported,
1: WNYC Studios. Boom. That's right. You both sound tired. I think it's been a long primary sprint in the month of January. <laughs>
0: Not as <laughs> long as that it's going to be, heard. according to Newt Gingrich, right? <laughs> this land, it's
1: your land. Yeah, he sounded like Howard Dean there last night. I'm going to go to Pennsylvania, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. he, all he didn't go is. Ah! Well,
0: <laughs> His howl is at the moon, I guess, afterward. I think that's how oh. Nick Gingrich
1: does it. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start. Oh, This is It's a Free Country, the podcast. I'm Brian Lear with Todd Zwillick, takeaway Washington correspondent and Anna Sale. It's a free country political reporter on the road to everywhere, all four primary states first uh, in this first month of the campaign year. And you're still in Florida. You haven't hopped that plane yet.
2: I'm still at the Tahitian Inn in Tampa, but I'm going to hightail it back to New York this afternoon.
1: Well, excuse me, the Tahitian Inn. <laughs> <laughs> it's fabulous. I'm going to give a little plug. That's the Tahitian Inn and Spa, isn't it? Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Makes me want to, I mean, Marlon Brando's no longer with us, but gosh, I wish he was, because that's probably where he would stay in Tampa, at least
1: I assume. All right. The winner? Of our contest to bring the most revealing political soundbite of the week from last week is this is my favorite part as voted Uh-oh. by our listeners. Anna, <gasps> oh, for first her win. clip of Obama talking about money and politics and not mentioning PACs or Citizens United somehow in the process in the State of the Union. Second place was Todd for his clip of Eric Cantor on bipartisanship or lack thereof. And third place for the second week in a row, moi, for my clip of Mitt Romney saying Americans don't want a candidate who pays more taxes than he owes. Now, this means that we have had three different contests so far in this series among us and three different winners, just right. like the GOP.
0: That's right. <laughs> so this is so the gru- week, this, is this week pivotal, has got to be huh? the um, the first official grudge match that we've had. We don't have any supremacy yet, so we're going to have our first two-time winner uh, next week. That's right. And next right. week
2: it gets ugly. It's going to be some ugly campaigning on the podcast, I predict.
1: <laughs> so, hey,
0: I'm the guy who votes for himself, so you don't have to tell me about <laughs> ugly campaigning. I know how it works.
1: So, Todd, you, you go first this week. What you got?
0: All right, well, this week I, I have a clip from Fox News, which I think was prescient from earlier in the week. This is Newt Gingrich you're listening to here. And the reason this for me is the most revealing clip of the week, it's it's Newt Gingrich, in his own words, um, explaining to Fox News' Brett Baer, why this race, um, even though everybody knew earlier in the week that Mitt Romney was going to win Florida handily, and he did, explaining why he has every intention of having uh, this Republican primary go on and on and on, and it reveals where we're headed. Listen to Newt.
2: Romney is going to come out of here tonight with 3 or 4 percent of the delegates needed to be nominated. I mean, the idea that after Florida this is over, is, it makes no sense at all. We now go into a long stretch of proportional representation. We have no evidence he can get 50% anywhere yet. We'll see how he does tomorrow night. But I think until he starts winning 50% or more, there's—you know and, and frankly, if you take Santorum's vote and my vote, I'll bet you it's bigger than his vote Tuesday night.
0: Okay, now Newt Gingrich was right and wrong there. Mitt Romney did not get 50% last night. He did well. 40, he did not 46, get quite 50%. 46%. <laughs> That's right, 46. Uh, however, uh, Newt and Santorum combined did not get more than Romney, but they were only one point short. I choose this as the most revealing clip because it shows you just how intent, at least for now, Newt Gingrich is to stay in through this February stretch where it's caucuses and sort of pro-Romney states. He wants to run in Super Tuesday in Georgia and in the South where he thinks he's going to be strong with those evangelicals. Uh, he's not done, and I, and I think he just showed it there.
1: My clip is of Rick Santorum, and this comes from the Thursday night debate, and I will just preface this by saying, I think, although all the media is talking about this downtime between now and Super Tuesday, we may see an interesting Rick Santorum moment coming up in the next week, because Missouri has a primary. Every state has its own bizarre rules, right, Anna? So... Missouri's rules are they have this primary next Tuesday. There's only one problem with it. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't actually delegate any delegates. Um, However, it is, you know, it counts for the big mo that the media keeps uh, following and touting. And Newt Gingrich isn't in this primary. This is one of the states where he didn't get on the ballot. So... In addition to Ron Paul, it's going to be Rick Santorum trying to uh, set himself up and make a show of being the better not Mitt than Gingrich. And maybe we saw a little preview of this in the Thursday night debate where after uh, Mitt and Newt did their World Wrestling Federation thing for about 20 minutes, Santorum stepped up and said this.
0: The bigger issue here is these two gentlemen who are out, distracting from the most important issues we have by playing petty personal politics can we set aside that newt was a member of congress and used the skills that he developed as a member of congress to go out and advise companies and that's not the worst thing in the world and that mitt romney is a wealthy guy because he worked hard and he's going out and working hard and you should guys leave that alone and focus on the issue
1: now what i love about that Is that he probably speaks for a lot of voters when he says the very things that they're tearing each other apart over are things that you should actually probably more or less respect them for, for running Bain Capital and, you know pursuing the creative destruction of capitalism in pursuit of job growth, even if it destroys some jobs along the way. And Gingrich was very successful, was able to set himself up as a consultant. Yes, sometimes that meant working for Freddie Mac. But Freddie Mac, no matter what it's come to signify, was a thing in the world that was helping people get housing. And neither of them were doing anything so evil. Let's get a grip. Which is, I think, the way a lot of actual regular human beings feel who aren't either politicians or in the political media.
0: They do, except Rick Santorum ignores the one critical factor in all of this, in negative campaigning and tearing people down. As much as it annoys people and makes people tune out of politics and and want the candidates to shut up or talk about substance, talk about something positive... Negative campaigning works. It's why people spend their money on it. It's why they do it. Newt Gingrich and Mitt Romney may not like each other, but they're also not dumb. And they also want to win. And Rick Santorum uh, is right that it bothers people and right that it turns us off. But he's ignoring the fact that they do it because it's effective.
1: And, of course, that was strategery on his point, too, on his part, because he was trying to uh, position himself as being above the fray there and look at the two of them. Aren't they being petty the way they're tearing each other down? You should vote for me because I respect the two of them and I'm not <laughs> going to engage in this pettiness. Oh, by the way, because it's not to my advantage. And
2: I can't afford it, um, furthermore. <laughs> um, but, but Rick Syndrome, you know, he really does this I'm above the fray earnestness really well. I think it was part of his appeal in Iowa, because you remember back then it wasn't the candidates, Mitt Romney and Newt Gingrich, but super PACs that were just tearing each other up in Iowa. And that's where Rick Santorum sort of snuck in with that sort of direct appeal to values and earnestness. And I think in the shadow of this week with his daughter's illness, like it, Rick Santorum, you know, he's a guy that people can relate to, and uh, Mitt Romney, after his big win in Florida, just showed again that he's not quite the guy that people can relate to. That brings me to my clip, where after that big win last night, this is what he had to say Wednesday morning on CNN.
0: I'm in this race because I care about Americans. I'm not concerned about the very poor. We have a safety net there. If it needs a repair, I'll fix it. I'm not concerned about the very rich. They're doing just fine. All right. I, I know I said last question, but i got to ask you. You just said, I'm not concerned about the very poor because they have a safety net. And I think there are lots of very poor Americans who are, are struggling who would say that sounds odd. Can you explain that? Well, you had to f- finish the sentence, uh, Soledad. I said, I'm not concerned about the very poor that have a safety net, but if it has holes in it, I will repair them. Got it. Okay. The the challenge right now, we we, we will hear from the Democrat Party the plight of the poor. And and there's no question, it's not good being poor, and we have a safety net to help those that are very poor. But my campaign is focused on middle-income Americans.
2: So you hear there? I mean, there are a couple of things to, to hone in on. Obviously, the, the line I'm not concerned about the very poor is something that's going to get just grabbed and, and show up in negative ads, uh, if not during the primary, certainly during the general election. But but he we we cut that clip a little bit. But at one point he says, "I'm concerned about the very heart of America, the 90 to 90 percent of Americans." And he's getting the math wrong there when he's talking about the 99 sure percent, because of course. You know, last year, last fall, we had the highest percentage of Americans living under the poverty line since the Census Bureau started counting 52 years ago, over 15%. And those are the very poor, and that number is increasing. And so if you're running for president at this time, to say that on national television the day after a big win where you're looking like more and more like the presumptive Republican nominee and you're saying, I'm not concerned about the very poor. And then to kind of use the term, the, Democratic part, the Democrat Party, excuse me, are concerned about about the plight of the poor. You'll hear about that. It just is just completely tone deaf. And of course, he's making the point that he wants to focus his policies on the middle class, but it just shows, again, Mitt Romney's kind of wonkiness in his approach to policy. He just forgets that messaging is what this is all about. Another. Well, I, think,
0: Anna, I, I think your clip is very revealing, not that I think people should vote for you, but I do think <laughs> your clip is very revealing about a narrative about Mitt Romney, um, about being uh, out of touch. But this is a truism, and I'm sorry for it. Uh, again, Mitt Romney's not dumb, and no politician, Mitt Romney included would dare say anything like that if poor people voted in large numbers they wouldn 't risk it and I think another i think there's a there 's an ancillary reveal in that in that remark uh, it may re- reveal something about Mitt Romney, but it also reveals something about um, participation. No politician would risk saying anything like that if they thought it would really really cost
1: them another maybe even sadder thing about it is that I don't even think he's accurate when he says the Democrat Party will speak for the poor in the campaign. Certainly going back to at least Bill Clinton, there has been a very concerted effort not to speak for the poor because the poor were so demonized as lacking character and not to mention all conflated with um, racial issues, Uh, you know, after... The Johnson administration in the 1960s, the Southern strategy was to demonize blacks blacks by demonizing the poor and welfare queens uh, with Ronald Reagan. And we have Newt Gingrich today talking about food stamp dependency. Um, So I don't think that Barack Obama, who I think stayed away from it very meticulously in 2008, you know, and maybe even more so because he's black. Um, is going to talk very much about the plight of the poor in this campaign.
2: That's right. You know. I mean, uh, It's clear the Kansas speech of President Barack Obama's running for re-election talking about restoring the middle class. It's all about the middle class, both on the Republican and Democratic side. However, Barack Obama, the, today when he was in Falls Church talking about the foreclosure crisis and what his administration is doing to help struggling Americans, certainly didn't have that line about I'm not concerned about the very poor. That's, just, that's language that's going to sink you.
0: You know, the, um, the John Edwards, the former senator from North Carolina, destroyed his career uh, with his personal behavior, his dalliances and everything else. And uh, he lost a chance to be president. The country lost something, um, you know, just I- in terms of um, voices in our politics. Let's remember, John Edwards was the last major national politician to make poverty part of his platform and make it a big part of his platform. There hasn't been one since on either side of the aisle. President Obama is not one of them. Um, you're right, Brian, he's not. And um, I, I think it's a reveal there, too. It's remarkable. And, and, I, and it brings me back to my point before. It's, be, it's, it's largely because people don't vote. If people vote, no politician would risk a remark like that, and they wouldn't risk being on the national stage without having a solid platform about poverty.
1: Now, this week, in addition to voting for who has the most revealing clip of the week, Anna Sale, Todd Zwillick, or me, Brian Lehrer, we have another Twitter essay contest for you, and we'll read some of the best responses on the air on next week's edition of It's a Free Country, the podcast. And I'm not even going to frame a question. I'm just going to give you a hashtag, and you can write anything around the hashtag that you want, as long as it pertains to politics 2012. And the hashtag is enough what? Use that hashtag. I know it takes up a few characters, but the hashtag is enough what? And then write anything around that hashtag that you would like as it pertains to politics 2012 after the first month of the campaign. If you want, you can tweet it at a free country. We use that, uh, that, uh, that handle at a free country, or you don't even have to include it, because we can just search the hashtag, enough what, but enough what, folks, enough what?
0: Uh, Brian, mine is, mine is naive and idealistic, I'm afraid, enough undisclosed money, for starters, just for starters.
1: Oh
2: man, those super PAC forms that came out last night, that's what, we could do a whole other podcast about those, <laughs> oh, about yeah. who we're finally learning is giving big money to Mitt Romney. Tell
1: me about that. You did what? You looked at these after you went to the uh, the Mitt Romney party yeah, and the I whole think thing was, in Florida. I think
2: it was about ten p.m. last night. We saw um, the the FEC filing for Restore Our Future, the super PAC that's backing Mitt Romney, uh, and I think. Todd is it it's something like forty million dollars that he's raised. Yeah. And the New York Times has an amazing graphic where they broke out uh any contributor who gave twenty five thousand dollars or more and it's just stunning when you see not only the, the, the people connected to Bain, the people connected to finance that are that are have given huge amounts of money to restore our future, but then you also see Corporations, Consol Energy, which is a coal company based in Pennsylvania, gave $150,000 straight to this super PAC that's been running ads and influencing voters during this primary season.
0: Now, of course, the the, the bad part about the, the disclosure was good, and there was disclosure last night as part of the law. The bad part about all this, if you're really wondering, is that the disclosure came after people after the polls were closed in Florida, but obviously by extension after the polls had been closed for a long time in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. So none of the voters in those states got to see this disclosure before they got to know whose money was behind all of the ads, all of the attack ads that they were seeing in their states for all those so many weeks. That's the problem with the disclosure here is the is the timing of it. You can we can talk about the propriety of the money and the amount of the money, but journalists love disclosure and this disclosure came after Millions of people already had their chance to vote in Republican primaries.
1: I'm looking at some of these numbers now. 98% of the donations to Romney were from donations of $25,000 or more. That is, 95% of the money that he got was from donations of $25,000 or more, and he had a number of seven figure contributors
0: not exactly a grassroots campaign. And to be fair, uh, we, we should point out uh, that the Democratic side is doing the exact same thing. Of course, uh, the Obama 2012 and affiliated super PACs have not really started making too many massive ad buys. They've made a couple.
2: Or um, raised much money compared to Romney. You know, not
0: yet. It was, it was kind and of they haven't had to, yeah. but they will. But they will. Of course they will.
1: Well, the Republicans keep knocking the alleged billion-dollar campaign that Obama is going to run. Is that based on real numbers?
0: According to Mike Messina and, and Obama 2012, it's a made-up number. Um, that number has become part of the conventional wisdom when you look at the trend line of spending for um, for presidential elections going back every four years, that people think that this one is going to land somewhere between $800 million and an even billion. I think billion sounds like a giant number, and it's even as sort of part of the narrative. We'll see where it lands, but it's, it's not unrealistic. When you look at the amount of money being raised and spent in a private- primary this early on, and everything that's at stake in this election, which are massive reforms to the tax code and entitlements and hundreds of trillions of dollars in uh, government spending and redistribution for the next generation, it's going to be a big money election. And of course, Obama's
1: hands are not clean in this respect at all, hardly. In fact, I would say that his original sin, if you will, in starting to lose his base Bit by bit by bit was right at the height of his campaign when Obama mania was in full swing in 2008, and he decided not to participate in the public money matching system, which would have meant limiting his campaign spending. Uh, and he was getting so many donations from so many sources, and yes, a lot of them were little twenty-five, fifty-dollar, you know, folks on the internet, et cetera. Uh, but he was also getting lots of money from Wall Street and other places. And he realized his fundraising capacity was so large if he didn't lit- limit himself voluntarily that he decided not to. And I think that's when the first, you know, real believers in campaign finance reform, at very le- at very least. Um, looked at Barack Obama and said, hmm, is he going to stick to his values?
2: So again, that hashtag, enough what, Todd, that's a good one. Enough undisclosed money. Think about what you have had enough of during this first month of primary campaigning as we head into February. And of course, you can go to org slash podcast to vote on your most revealing clip of the week. I recommend mine.
1: (laughs) Enough it's a free country, the podcast for this week.
0: <laughs> Great talking to you guys.
1: That was See fun. You next week. See ya.